continuing with the theme of deepening, letting each out-breath teach you more and more about release, while in its way you may feel the obstacles to release. Using the mindfulness of body as the location in which all the dharmas can be seen. Feeling your seat, feeling your backside on the cushion, willing moment by moment to drop back to earth. to unhook from the compelling activity that tells us about the world rather than having a direct encounter with the world. Living in our mind-made realities is dissatisfying at best and at worst it's hell. So daring again and again to find out for ourselves what is being pointed to. When slowly, breath by breath, we learn about release and what's in the way of release. very common when we come to practice that we think that our thinking is in the way of release. Our thinking mind is such an extraordinary piece of human equipment. But our relationship to it often lacks the understanding of depth of seeing where its rightful place is in the pilgrimage of our life knowing the rightful place of this beautiful faculty. Our relationship when we come to practice can feel either like the mind, the thinking mind can be our enemy. At other times we think it's God, that it tells the truth, that it is the great authority. Other times it can be there for our entertainment or filling the space or simply because we do not know a deeper reality. Sometimes a companion chatting to us along the way. But often as a mediator, preventing us from having an immediate direct encounter with reality again and again. So in the practice today, we will include the realm of thinking. Mindful of thinking is very different than lost in thinking or analyzing thinking. It's, a, it's a quite a radical shift 
because what the Buddha points us to understand is the nature of thought itself rather than what I can do with the thoughts and if I think about this a little bit longer then I'll get the solution and then, oh, that's a really exciting thought. And Sometimes we eat thoughts, we consume them. They're like our lunch. Here we're asked to step back with this... um, uh, dis, uh, disidentified capacity to simply know what is arising. We can start to study what is thought when I'm not compelled and stuck in its story. What is thought when I'm not just using it to fill the space or entertain me or distract me or tell me a story about myself? What is it? Am I sincerely interested to find out the nature of thought? Or do I want to stay hostage to this mixed relationship of worship and hatred to my own thinking capacity? Sometimes when we begin practice, we think that thinking is the enemy. It is not. And we can get harsh on our mind. Probably most of you have tried this where we're shouting at our thought and we're hitting it over the head and trying to make it still and like whacking it. And there it pops up again. Right? This is not a wise relationship. The stilling of formations, the stilling that we in, um, instinctively seek is not achieved through violence and suppression. There's a kind of momentary stilling, but it's actually cultivating in that moment more violence, more division, more splitting in our mind of what is acceptable and what is not. Here, with mindfulness of thought, something quite different and radical can happen. Can we leave it alone? Can we settle back into that factor, that faculty that can simply know and recognize thought as thought? What does that mean? Like right now, I'm speaking, this is a thought that's coming and coming into articulation. Can you just settle back, not have to consume what I'm saying, not having to reject what I'm saying, but simply recognizing, oh, here's conceptual activity coming out through the mouth. Here it is, it's seen and it passes. Can you recognize the space at the end when I stop speaking? Nothing you have to do about it. Simply knowing when the thought has ceased, when we're settling back into the knowing of that, it ceases. We're not feeding the fire. We're not telling ourselves a story about ourselves for having this thought. It simply drops back into the silence, 
into the space. And the silence and the space is revealed in that moment. If we notice that certain thoughts are compelling, they have a compelling energy to them, we need to be really clear with ourselves that in this practice we are not feeding the compelling quality. There's already enough of that. To come out of the head center, to unhook and come into the body, when something is compelling, something is going on in the emotional life. And we can usefully unhook and ask ourselves, what's happening in my body right now? Oh, there's tightness. Or there's fire in my belly. Or there's gripping in my, in my palms. Can I drop back into that, breathe with that, breathe out with that, and being very clear that the stillness that I'm interested in does not arise through more compelling activity. More compelling leads to more compelling, leads to tighter bondage and a headache. If we're lost in compelling thinking, come to the body, open our eyes, look at the flowers, shift the gear. We cannot easily be mindful of our thinking when we are compelled. Being compelled really is the opposite of freedom. So we need to know, can I take my hands off? If I can't take my hands off, let me respond appropriately. Come into the body, open the eyes, look at the flowers. Bring some metta. If I can take my hands off, if I can step back into that knowing, I can start to see the nature of thinking as it is. It arises, it stays for a moment, and it ceases. Can you get interested in that moment when it ceases? Before the next thought has arisen, what is there? What is there? Sometimes we can see the very birth of a thought. We're open, we're still, we're resting back in the awake awareness. And we can see the beginning of a little thought arise. We don't have to smash it down, neither do we have to pick it up. We are not compelled to pick up every thought that begins Like Kirsten said last night, we're fixing on some things and not on others. We tend to fixate on the same kinds of thinking, and we miss so much of the territory. So here we're opening our attention to listen more deeply to that which perhaps calls less loudly to us than some of the loudness of our most top ten little tape loops that go around our head. We've seen the top ten this week. It gets tiring. It gets limiting. We need to have a kind of disillusionment, a healthy disillusion, 
Not a dissolution that is a depression, but disillusioned, less illusioned by our own mind. And then we can start to find its proper place. So noticing the space between thoughts. Right now, not later, right now, see it in your mind. You might be saying, oh, I hope she stops speaking in a minute so I can get on with this and look at it. Right? See that thought. See it cease. No, 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 but I really mean it. This really is important. The next thought arises. It ceases. What else is being revealed? If we were to listen like we listen to the frog jumping into the pond, it goes plop. Mostly we notice the plop. But if our heart and mind is a little bit open, we also hear the silence. The stillness is also revealed. Starting to tolerate the spaces between thought where we're not mediating our life anymore, but we're living it directly, moment by moment. You can usefully at times bring in the reflection on feeling tones. Sometimes it's a pleasant thought, sometimes unpleasant. So pleasant, unpleasant, or neither. Just knowing that. We get pulled into the pleasant ones. Oh, this is juicy. Think about this a bit more. (laughs) Sometimes they're unpleasant. Oh, God, don't want this thought. There's the aversion. Sometimes they're neutral. And we space out. We disappear. We lose contact, lose ground. Practice is not being fooled by appearances. We all long to go deeper than the appearance of things. To do this, we need to be willing to relinquish the familiar ways we've done things. We do not arrive at the solution to the problem through the same kinds of thinking. So two places to look. If we're compelled in a thinking mind, we need to respond. If we're not compelled, we can take our hands off. We can start to see beginnings and endings of thought and the space and silence they reveal. (coughs) Getting a taste for the stillness and the silence. Trusting it getting a taste for that which calls less loudly than the adverts in our head. We see that if we cling to thought, no matter how brilliant the thought is, how creative or how terrible, if we cling to the thought, we suffer. Even if it's the suffering, Even when we cling to the brilliancy of our mind at times, sometimes we can have brilliant thoughts. 
if we cling to that, we make a definition of ourself about that. There's a kind of an encapsulation, a kind of a limitation. Brilliancy can flow much more easily when we take our hands off and don't claim it. But see, this too arises due to conditions. So neither fascinated with our mind nor rejecting our mind, it's the same thing as with sensation, pulled in or pushing away. What happens if our hands are open? We settle back in the knowing and we see this radical way of seeing thought. And this starts to free up more space. It starts to let the emptying out happen of all these old definitions and ways of mediating and managing the world. Leaving us a little bit more room for a direct encounter with the truth of things. So please taking your seat. Again, keeping it really simple, letting the instructions go. So if you now start going, okay, now what have I got to do? Now what is it she said I've got to do first? See if you can see that too is a thought. Nothing you have to do about it. No, no, but I really need to remember what you just said. Ah, thinking. Thinking. Sometimes it can be really helpful just to have a little mental note recognizing, ah, this is thinking. This is thinking. Helps us take our hands off, get some space, unhook, release. This is planning. Ah, this is regret. This is desire. This is frustration. Letting the mental note help us take our hands off and reveal what else can be seen. So taking your seat. Upright. Awake. Even if the thought right now is, I don't want to do this. Can we see that one? Tenderly, with objectivity, thoughts arise due to conditions and they cease when those conditions are no longer present. Breathing in and knowing that you're breathing in. Breathing out and knowing that you're breathing out. Awareness wide, open, letting the channel of our breathing 
from our core to our periphery and beyond. Be a channel of smoothing, of soothing this tired mind. Awake with the in-breath, alert and bright. Relinquishing with the out-breath, giving ourselves back, daring to let go.
Where is your mind now? Breathe out into the body. Knowing the human organism, breathing, sensing, awake, intelligent, but without going anywhere. without departing through any door.
So in the last couple of minutes of the sitting, keeping that thread of wakefulness, knowing it, that which simply knows and recognizes experience without becoming it, without pushing it away. Bright, awake to whatever it is that's going on. And if you feel steady here on your seat, at times when the thought has spun up, we can stay with that wakeful present and watch it deconstruct. Releasing the inference that this is who I am. Sometimes in that there might be a little moment of understanding of the self you have taken yourself to be in that thought. So if this doesn't make sense, leave it alone. If it does make sense, just to know that this may also arise, that as you stay steady, breathing, seeing thought as thought, at times you may simply notice, ah, this is the self who doesn't want to be bothered by the world. Or, This is the self who wants to be a really good girl. Or this is the one who wants to be really bad. Right? Little ways we've known and defined ourselves can be locked up in the ways that self is constructed through thought. As we stay present, awake, that self-inference may get clear to us. Not through analysis, or thinking more about it. If that's what's happening, take your hands right off. But sometimes in that steadiness, it just simply gets clear, and that may come as a thought. Ah, here's that self who tries so hard. And sometimes in that moment of understanding, the thing (coughs) dissolves releases us from its grip.
as we continue to practice waking up again and again into the truth of our life, moment by moment. One of the things that starts to reveal, to show itself, is the remarkable refinement and sensitivity in this human instrument, this organ of receptivity and understanding that we call heart and mind. To be really respectful of the sensitivity that comes as we deepen and quieten together in yourself and in each other particularly in the meditation hall here really being aware of our movements and sounds we might make when adjusting the posture or moving to and from to be really present with whatever we do and aware of the the vibration, the ripples that movement and sound create. Not that there's something wrong or bad in them, but being mindful of them, it's like we're respectful to the sensitivity that's here. Some people are beginning the sittings earlier than indicated on the schedule or continuing longer after the bell has rung. And so treating this as a space in which the practice is ongoing, because it is, and entering with that sensitivity, leaving with that degree of respect for the space that's here, and really respecting ourselves in that too, our own sensitivity and movement aliveness flowing through different shapes and forms as it does within us and around us this body, heart and mind expressing the dynamic aliveness that knows itself more and more deeply in that respectful attentiveness It can be we notice at times a little urge to engage with something more than the bare simple practice here. And whether it is an inclination to go and read the notice board one more time, even though we know very well what's there. We could probably write the notices all out ourselves. See if we can catch what's happening in that departure and not depart from ourselves. Or if we start to feel that there are more things we could be doing, let them go. Time will come for attending to such things. Your socks can be folded another day. And as you move into the walking and through the day, really the sense of respect and we could go further and call it an acknowledging of the sacredness of what's happening here not some esoteric or far removed from humanity kind of sacredness 
but the, the preciousness of each moment that we have to live this life that is not forever. And the receptivity we have that can know it so more deeply, so much more deeply. There is no end to the depth of knowing and the possibility of refining our sensitivity, our openness. So if there are moments in the walking or moving around, and it's often they can come when we're outdoors or just between one thing and the next, just stop and notice if a a raindrop on a leaf catches your eye. Or just the light between some blades of grass or the shape of a cloud, the, the contact of someone else's foot touching the ground and just noticing the care expressed in it. Many ways we can be touched and we feel a resonance in the heart, mind, body, in the being itself that we call ourself. Letting yourself stop and receive and be touched by that resonance Don't too quickly move on to something else. The meditation is not something we're here to do or get better at, but ultimately to dissolve into more and more completely and to see that in that dissolving into we do not lose anything. In fact, we find everything right here, where it always was. So time now for walking, and there are some individual interviews also. Please continue with your practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.